Today we focus on a text that comes from Revelation, uh, the very last book in the Bible, and it talks about the river of life, the tree of life, and it's a beautiful picture. The uh, John, who is uh, on the island of Patmos, is having a vision, and it's a vision of a new day when things will be made right. It goes like this. showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life. Get the picture. On either side of the river. The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit producing fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed shall be found there anymore. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, for the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. See? I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, join me in a moment of prayer. Gracious God, we long to hear from you. So open our ears that we may hear. For you, O God, are our rock. You are our strength. You are our redeemer. Amen. Okay, well, before I begin the sermon today, I need to make a confession to you. And this is a confession that you might be surprised to hear from me. uh, Or perhaps you won't be surprised. Um, It might be a confession that you too need to make today, uh, but no matter what, I hope it's a confession that you won't judge me for or think less of me for, okay? Can I share with you my confession? Okay. My confession is this. The book of Revelation scares me. The book of Revelation scares me, guys. (laughs) Now, I know that might not be something that you thought you might hear from your pastor. Maybe that's something that I shouldn't say, but I'm going to guess that the book of Revelation is not a book that you turn to to make you feel good. (laughs) I'm going to guess that the book of Revelation is not a book that you read to your kids at bedtime. If it is, come talk to me after the service. I want to know why. The book of Revelation... (laughs) is intimidating. Now, of course, I'm not really scared of it, but I do approach the text this morning carefully, for I do think that Revelation is not only the most complex book in the Bible with all of its metaphors and apocalyptic sayings, but it's also 
the book of the Bible that has the greatest possibility to do damage and harm if interpreted, if interpreted wrong. Revelation is complicated. It is confusing, and it can appear to be chaotic. But that doesn't mean it needs to be inaccessible. And I think that one of the easiest ways to make the book of Revelation a little bit more approachable is to realize that just like many other books in the New Testament, the book of Revelation is simply a letter. Just like the letter from Paul to the Romans, Revelation was written by a particular person to a particular community at a particular time for a particular reason. And in the case of the letter of Revelation, it was written by a man named John of Patmos who was writing on an island to not just one, but actually seven churches in an area called Asia Minor, which is part of modern-day Turkey. And he was writing to these seven churches because they were embroiled in crisis. During the time that John wrote the book of Revelation, It was illegal to be a Christian in the Roman Empire. And if you were found to be a Christian at this time in the Roman Empire, you were presented with one of two choices. You could either renounce your faith in Christ and worship the Roman gods, or you could experience the death penalty. Those were your options. Christians at this time were facing intense persecution for their faith. And not only that, they were beginning to wonder where in the world was Jesus. For see, at this time, it was a common belief that Jesus was coming back. And he was coming back soon. Not only to overthrow the powers that be, not only to overthrow the Roman Empire, but to inaugurate a new day and a new age where God's people can live in peace. But it wasn't happening. And so the people began to wonder, where is Jesus amidst the crisis? This letter was written during a time of pervasive scarcity. Scarcity of safety, scarcity of hope, and scarcity of freedom. And it is into this context that John writes this letter. And it is into this context that we find the words of chapter 22 that Gary read for us just a few moments ago. These words from chapter 22 you'll find are on the last page of the Bible. It's in the last chapter of Revelation, and it is a part of John's vision that he received from an angel, a vision of a new day where a new heaven and a new earth will spring forth. And so John writes to the seven churches in Asia Minor this revelation of hope. To write such a vision to communities in the midst of such thing. For John's vision of the tree of life, described here in chapter 22, cannot be farther from the scarcity that those early Christians were experiencing. It is not a vision of persecution, 
of scarcity in any way. It is a vision of abundance and peace. It is a vision that describes a future reality where God and creation will once more abide in perfect relationships. With rich metaphors waiting to be interpreted. The, the city, the river, the tree of life. All these metaphors maybe seem a little bit confusing if we don't know what they mean. And yet, as Gary was reading the passage, I think the overall message is clear. The revelation that John describes to these seven churches in Asia Minor is that in the end of the story, God's love will win. That even in the midst of scarcity, even in the midst of persecution, where hope is questioned, there can be confidence. For as we sang just a few moments ago, God's promises remain. Scarcity is all around us. We may not experience the scarcity of safety or hope like the early Christians did that John was writing to, but but we know in various ways how scarcity can squeeze us and put the pressure on us, can give us that feeling that I ask people to tell me the ways that you are feeling the fear of scarcity these days. Now, uh, some of you in this room responded to that poll. I got 37 responses, which was more than I thought I'd get. But the responses surprised me. Now, there, there were some people who gave uh, answers that probably won't and still others who described that they feel a scarcity of energy to get all the things done in a day's work. Some of the answers were a little bit more unique to our current events these days. There were people who named that there's a scarcity of hospital beds, a a scarcity of workers to fill all the jobs that need to be filled, perhaps in your own workplaces. Some people even said that they don't feel the fear of scarcity at all. But by far, the number one answer that I heard was that people today are experiencing a scarcity of compassion, a scarcity of kindness, and a scarcity of empathy. Now, uh, also this week, I began watching the number one show in the world right now, Squid Game. Now, if you haven't heard of this new sensational Korean show, uh, it's a little bit like The Hunger Games. It's a show where 456 desperate people are brought together to fight for their lives by playing childhood games like Red Light, Green Light. It's a terrible show. It's extremely violent, it is troubling, it is disturbing. And I do not bring it up to you because I recommend you go and watch it. I bring it up because I think it's telling that the number one show in the world at this moment is a show that is premised on brutality 
and violence and dehumanization. I have a close friend who's a preschool teacher up in Kansas City, and she told me that just this week even, she saw her preschool kids, three and four years old, playing red light, green light. And I don't know if they heard about the show or if they're watching the show, but whenever a kid would go out of the game, they would pretend to kill them, which is a horrible thing. Now, maybe this is just a game. Maybe the kids didn't know what they were doing. Maybe it's just a TV show. Or maybe there really is, if we think about it, a scarcity of kindness, compassion, and empathy in our world today. Friends, if you ever feel scarcity of these things, it's good to remember that these that scarcity of compassion, kindness, and empathy, it's not a new thing. It actually existed all the way back when John was writing this letter to the churches in Asia Minor. If you remember the persecution that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, the persecution that the early Christians were experiencing, the persecution was not at the hands of the Roman government. It was not a systematic a program by the Roman Empire to seek out Christians. No, at the time that John was writing the letter, the persecution was neighbor turning against neighbor. Friends turning in their friends, turning in anybody who they thought might be a Christian in vigilante-style persecution that was utterly void of compassion, kindness, and empathy. It existed all the way back then, and I would say it continues to exist today, even in TV shows like Squid Game. Scarcity in all of its forms, no matter how we feel it today, reminds us that we are still living in a world that is not yet as it should be. Scarcity reminds us that the consequences of the first tree of life that we find in Genesis chapter 3, the tree that Pastor Gary talked about last week, those consequences continue to be felt today. And so we need this revelation of hope from John. We need this revelation of abundance. We need, in so many ways, This revelation that says, even when life feels chaotic and scarce and void of compassion, that in the end, God and God is always, always working to bring that vision of new life in our midst, to be made known in our midst. Throughout this stewardship campaign, we are inviting you to prayerfully consider how you can partner with the ministry of this church and the work of God in this community. And we realize that talking about money can be a difficult and tricky where many feel scarcity. But I want to encourage you today that the vision we're asking you to partner with is not a vision of scarcity. It is a vision of God's abundance. It is a vision that reminds us that God has uniquely equipped each and every one of us to change the world. 
God has gifted you beyond measure. Even if you sit in your pew today and you think, I don't have anything of worth to offer, you do. The invitation of Revelation and the invitation for us today is to consider how is it that we can give, not with a heart of scarcity, but with a heart of abundance, with a heart that trusts amidst the scarcity of life that in the end, God's love will win. For scarcity is never the end of the story. The end of the story is that God's love in the tree of life will finally be fulfilled and perfected. We are not there yet, but, but we work towards it each and every day. That is why this church exists, to work towards that vision where God's love is fulfilled and, perf- and perfected, and that is what we invite you to partner with. For together we can work with God and with one another to bring this glorious vision of God's abundant love to life in our pews and in our community and, in fact, throughout the whole world. For that is how the story will end. And we're asked to be players in it. Thanks be to God for this gift of hope we have. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.